just got to focus on the details. You know, every, all the little things mean so much, you know, when it, when it comes to a restaurant, you know, like I, I think I touched on it earlier, not operating in cruise control. What do you get when you combine a classically trained chef with a pizza shop? It's not the first time we've seen this pivot. In Chicago, one chef has built a brand taking a completely different approach. It's not deep or tavern or stuffed, but rather a hybrid between New York and artisan. The story behind Bob's Pizza, straight ahead. Straight fried pepperoni. I need a deep dish pepperoni and a thin sausage to go. Can I get two cheese of ours and one uh, Detroit? Can I get one large pep, one large sausage, and one large pet special? This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA, The Ultimate Chicago Pizza Guide, and founder of Pizza City Tours and Pizza City Fest. And welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City. Uh, Just back from Calgary, if you were looking at uh, our Instagram feed, saw lots of places we checked out. Um, Some pizza, some not. And I had no idea how great that city was. Uh, visited just a couple of pizza shops that we're going to be profiling here on the show over the next month or so. Uh, the drive to Banff in the Rockies was just incredible. Highly recommend a trip to Calgary, even if you're not a big skier. Um, okay, on to this week's show. We are back in Chicago, and no, I'm not talking about stuffed or deep dish or tavern style, but rather a hybrid between New York City style, the slices, and artisan. The New York part comes from the dough. It's stretched to 18 inches. Slices are foldable with no tip sag, and they're baked on stone hearths and toppings are applied judiciously, all in balance. The artisan part comes from the fact the chef and owner, Matthew Wild, is a trained chef from Minnesota who might sweat garlic and reduce cream for a base instead of just tomato sauce, which he also incidentally cooks before adding it to a pie. Uh, He makes his pickles, he uses fine sea salt, and most notably uses beer in his dough, rather than water. That's an interesting one. The results are mighty impressive. Uh, We began, as we always do, by asking our guests about their first pizza memory. Um, I remember the pizza place. His name is La Tuffs in Minneapolis. La Tuffs? La Tuffs. It's just, like I said, total neighborhood pizzeria. Uh, They've been open for like 30, 40 years, a long time. What kind of pizza was it? Uh, just classic thin crust. I wouldn't say it's tavern style like we have here in Chicago, but that would probably be the closest uh, comparison. How did you get into this field? Were you interested in culinary? Were you interested in pizza as a, at an early age? How did, what was your path? I liked to cook when I was younger. Um, I ended up uh, deciding to go to culinary school. Um, I did live in France for a while. I moved over there just did an externship and you know cooked and you know started to learn about food and the fact that I knew that I truly love food. Uh, and then I've been, you know, making, I've been in kitchens my whole life. Uh, I take food very seriously. Uh, it's always been mostly fine dining. Um, pizza kind of came later. You know, I, I got approached by some people that wanted to do something different, you know, because, you know, Bob's Pizza doesn't even really have a style of crust. You know, it's our own thing, you know. So they, so I, they wanted to do something. And, you know, I, I, I always tell the story. I, I told them no many times. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. You know, like I've always... I've always been in fine dining, I'm going to stick to it, but then eventually I decided to uh, take it on and start learning and it was just a ton of trial and error and uh, I realized how much I liked making pizza. 
and in Minneapolis, I was always working at the best new restaurant that would open up, Michelin star, James Beard, depending on, you know, the chef or the situation, but always at the newest, hottest, best restaurant. And that, that, so it was extreme fine dining across the board in my early career. And then when I moved to Chicago 15-ish years ago now, uh, I've done any, everything from neighborhood fine dining to, you know, tavern, like Hubbard Inn being like kind of like a pub tavern fine dining, you know, and then, you know, when we took on pizza, my number one goal in pizza was to do something unique. What were your thoughts when you moved to Chicago 15 or so years ago, which was probably right around the, the recession? We were still kind of in the deep stuffed and tavern silos. What I knew was that it was a great pizza city. You know, I'd always, everybody always hears about that and, you know, the different classic pizzerias that have been around for a long time, you know, and I'm sure there's an argument for a deep dish and tavern style and what, you know, belongs in the, you know, as a Chicago pizza, but I'm not a huge deep dish guy, but it's, I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, I, a couple times a year, you, you just crave it, you know, and, and so trying that, you don't, you don't see that in Minneapolis. I mean, I think now you're going to have deep dish everywhere across the country, but not as, not like in Chicago, you know, where it's a, a thing. Remember your bread breaking classes back in culinary school and working in those fine dining places? I mean, this is what you got to rely on now. Of course, you know. And and for me, when I when I was creating the style of crust at Bob's, it was it was really just reading. You know, what I where I started was just honestly just executing, you know, classic famous recipes of the different styles. And then I just started messing with it. You know, I, I would take, you know, I would be reading a Neapolitan Neapolitan crust recipe. And then I'd be like, what if I change the percent here on this to to create a more chewy crust, you know, or how do I get a New York pizza, which is what I always say Bob's is. It's kind of like New York meets Neapolitan. How do I get New York pizza to have rise and bubbly and you know like kind of like what our style is you know i mean how do i do that you know and that's where beer came in and the fact i mean obviously it's a yeasted dough and you know the percentages of you know how how wet the dough is going to be you know you just i just messed with it you know and i didn't follow any rules not a lot of new york slash neapolitan sort of like neo east coast styles maybe craft but not a ton yeah you're right uh so i think i think that was probably uh either by chance or by strategy, a good move on our on our ends because, you know, we did kind of go into a, a pocket of this pizza world that was uh, kind to a, a new a new style, so to speak. And not only a pocket of the pizza world, but a pocket of the city. We are in Pilsen, right. uh, which 100 years ago was Czech Bohemian, then now it's Mexican, now it's being gentrified, and there's, it's controversial about that because there's some fancy restaurants in this neighborhood. But we are, you know, about a mile or so south of downtown, southwest of downtown, um, close to Little Village, very, very much Mexican. There's a tortilla factory down the street here. Why Pilsen? My, my current business partners, you know, one of them owned a building here in Pilsen. Uh, and he believed that, you know, pizza, pizza can be successful anywhere, you know, and, and there was some pizzerias in, in Pilsen that failed. You know, they opened up down here and they tried to do, you know, Latin variations of pizzas and different things like that. And the neighborhood, you know, kind of rebelled against it because they were like, look, I can get tacos or tamales any corner of this neighborhood. You know, I can get that already. I want pizza. You know, like I want pepperoni and sausage, you know, and so that's what we did when we came down here. But more importantly than that, Pilsen is a sensitive neighborhood. You know, we we really implanted ourselves as like not only a new business, but like we became a part of the community immediately. It was a bold choice for the first location um, and it, it couldn't have gone better. 
four locations, are you have each of these stores making it independently? Are you making it at a commissary? Like, uh, that must be more complicated. Right. So we've always run off of a commissary. Uh, we originally had Hyde Park uh, prepping it on its own, um, but we just recently brought them into the commissary as well, just because it's really been our... The, the most successful avenue for us. You know, we, we prep everything in this little tiny former apartment kitchen that we have down here in Pilsen. We make everything here. And it's all made fresh daily and it all gets loaded into a van and it gets delivered across the city. So it's all consistent and the same product. You know, and they have to take the dough and portion it. And, you know, there's still a lot to do after it leaves here. But it's a uh, it, commissary has really been part of our success. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about your pizza style here. We're going to get really into it. You mentioned the beer. That's a big point of difference for you that you put in the dough. Um, We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Pizza City is brought to you by Grande Cheese. Any pizza maker will tell you, besides the crust, the cheese is the most important part of the pie. So why not use the best? Grande was founded in 1941 by Filippo Candela. He had moved to Wisconsin from Italy to pursue his passion for cheesemaking. He named the company Grande because it's the Italian word for greatness. Grande secures milk from local dedicated family farms. They work closely with them to help them monitor cow health and milk quality. Plus, their cheeses are all natural. That means their mozzarella has only four ingredients, pasteurized milk, cheese culture, salt, and enzymes. They produce a full line of Italian cheeses, not only part skim and whole milk mozz, but also ricotta, provolone, parmesan, and romano, sold as loaves, shreds, dices, and slices. Robert Garvey is the owner and pizzaiolo at Robert's Pizza and Dough Company in Chicago. Named recently as one of the top 50 pizzerias in the world, he goes through thousands of balls of mozzarella every week. You know, it's one of the products that I never have to worry about. We go through a lot of cheese, and I I do mean a lot. It is just incredibly consistent. It's always very high quality, and it really complements the pizza, and it's something I never have to worry about, whether it's coming in, whether they have enough stock. I've never had an issue with Grande. It's always there, and it's just, for me, it's like the perfect cheese on my pizza. So use the cheese the best pizza makers use. Request a sample at grandecheese.com, or give them a call at 1-800-8-GRANDE. That's 1-800-8-G-R-A-N-D-E. Your pies will never look and taste so good. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Matthew Wild, uh, founder of Bob's Pizza here in Chicago. Four locations now. We're standing in the mothership, the commissary in Pilsen, the original. Um, Before we talk about your dough, which you've got portioned here already, uh, Matt, let's talk about how you make this. So talk about the flour and how the beer got involved in this. Pretty much all pizza dough I would venture is yeasted already. Uh, so the biggest reason why I chose to use beer instead of water was, you know, you think about how do you make a great pizza versus a good pizza? You know what I mean? Like, cause a lot of people have good pizza and I, you know, you only get a couple avenues, you know, in, you know, there's the dough, there's, there's the sauce and there's the cheese really, you know, and then of course there's ingredients that are all, you know, mingle with that. It's a double O Neapolitan style flour. Um, Can you say from who? from General Mills. Okay. Yep. It's, I mean, you know, I, I tried so many, you know, I tried uh, local milled products that I, I actually used for a while. And I just, this one, the, the consistency and it's, a, it's an awesome flower. And a commercial uh, yeast? Uh, yeah, we use a, just a, a dry active yeast. Um, but then the fact that we use beer, that's, I mean, that's a big part of the rise, you know, I mean, adding a carbonated liquid to the, you know, the yeasting process, it was, I mean, it's, it, there's a lot there to, to navigate through. We bloom the yeast in the beer. 
um, which is, I mean, it's, it's the same thing as water, but it's just carbonated as opposed to, you know, a, a flat water. And uh, is it a wet dough? Yeah, it's wet. I mean, it's a, I would say we're actually probably on the drier side. If you were to take like a industry-wide average, we're probably actually on the drier side. Um, but it is, I would, it's not a, it's not a dry dough by any means. I mean, you can see it here. It's a, it's very uh, pliable. So, so you do a bulk ferment. Yeah. How long? Uh, we do like four hours at least, but really I just kind of let the dough do its thing. So we don't, you know, I don't tap out my, my liquid. I just use like a lukewarm beer and water mixture. Uh, and once the dough starts coming up, it's just, you, you know, I let it come up. I punch it down. I let it come up. You know, it just, I just want the, the majority of the rise to be done. And then once it's punched down, then it goes into the cooler to chill. And it does keep rising after that, you know, and then when we portion the dough, it even rises some more in, in the portion form in the trays. You know, How long in the cooler though before I'm portioning? Uh, just till it gets chilled um, because if I portion it while it's warm um, the consistency of the actual dough ball varies too much for whatever however you want it you know you got because you got the person that's forming the dough you know and you got the temperature of the water in the first place there are there are many variables that you can't just even calculate by a temperature you know what I mean like I can't say for certain that every single person has the exact same forming method. Now we all generally use the same techniques um, with you know folding over the dough or using the table technique on the roll or you know whatever it is. Um, but that's the way that I've found it. I can keep the consistency of the dough ball the best. Okay, so you've portioned it. How long has it been sitting here ambient outside? Uh, so I, I pull it, you know, I mean, minimum an hour before it will get pulled because I want it to come out to temp. But honestly, like if it can sit for two or three hours, that's even better. You know, the more, the, the closer to the room temperature your dough is when it goes in the oven, the better because, you know, you don't want to be cooling off your stones in the oven. You don't want to, there, there's many reasons. You know, now if, if you're slammed on a Saturday night, can you portion cold? dough and get it in the oven of course you just tossed it in a little bit of flour it looks like uh, both sides and you're gonna just gently do a little hand press first on your stainless steel table here uh, but leaving the cornicione oh there's a nice big bubble there I just saw which is really cool a lot of people will a lot of pizzerias will pop bubbles or you know they're against the air I am in the center of the dough because as we all know, or the professionals out there know, you know, when you're pulling a dough that has, you know, air bubbles in the center of the dough, it, you're, you're much more likely to have holes form or something like that. But around the edge and while it's baking, for us, we encourage the bubbles. Like we like them, we want that rise, we want that crispy, bubbly, you know, I don't even mind if they get black in the oven because it's, it's not burnt, it's just what it's, you know, it's just doing its thing, you know. So you're gonna stretch this to how, 18 inches? Yep, so I push all the air from the center towards the outside, again, that's a big reason why we get the nice crackly, bubbly exteriors of our dough. That gluten is really relaxed. That hand stretch took about uh, six seconds. So, you know, in, in, you know, it kind of looks like I'm pulling, but I, our dough is real delicate. So if I throw it in the air, it's, it's not going to go well. Do you feel like the beer, while being unique, of course, um, and he's scattering some semolina on his wooden peel here right now, uh, do you think that contributes to the flavor at all? I definitely think so. You know, I mean, I've tried it both ways, and it's just that really the, the biggest difference is it's not like you're like, oh, I can taste the beer. It's just like that, that like earthy, malty, like barley, like beer base. Okay, so you put it on the semolina now. That, again, as you said, is more of a lubricant to get it off right. the peel. Um, you're going to start with sauce. What are you going to make here? So what I do, well, we use we use a barbecue mop, uh, which is, I don't, I don't know if that's, other people use that as well. Rarely see a barbecue mop involved in a pizzeria. Yeah. 
So I, I use it to, to dress the thing and I go right in the center to kind of get all the oil to gather and then I go all the way around the exterior and I'm just getting oil on the outside. It's not to oil the entire crust. Okay, now he's bringing the peel over to his mise en place and you're gonna start with, not tomato sauce, but? Garlic cream. And this is, uh, you know, part of that whole like living in France back in the day, like this is a very French technique. I don't make like an Alfredo based cream sauce. I do a reduction. So it's a sweated down garlic, but then I reduce cream and that's it. You know, and that's where the, you know, the decadent creaminess comes from. So it's not just, uh, you know, loose or whatever, but there's no flour involved. So as long as I'm asking here, just tell me quickly about your tomato sauce. What kind of tomatoes do you use? We use Valorosa. Uh, we actually use a pear instead of a plum. Um, you know, we do one thing that we do do, and a lot of places do this as well, but not everybody. We do cook our sauce. You know, we, we caramelize the onions and the garlic and throw the fresh basil in and the, you know, the different herbs and spices. And, you know, and then we hit it with all the uh, tomatoes and there's plenty of olive oil and it's all coming up to a boil before we uh, pulse it. You know, we keep it kind of chunky, but for the most part smooth, just so it's an easy spread. Yeah, because now here comes mortadella. Yes, mortadella. Uh, I always joke around, it's kind of like a fancy bologna, um, but the Italians would be crabby if they heard me say that. Just laying it down, um, all it's like large circles of this kind of across the surface of the pie. There's like only five slices here. Exactly, yeah, four to five slices. You're just creating a nice, in theory, you're gonna have uh, bites of mortadella in every, in every slice. Okay, now cheese, this is, looks like a big shred. Yep, so we do a pretty uh, um, rustic shred on it and it's a combination of mostly mozzarella but then there's also Swiss cheese which is kind of unique to pizza and then a little bit of Parmesan as well um, so we blend that in we shred and blend that all in-house Can you say you want to name any names where it's from we're a very uh, loyal supporter of grande cheese hey, fantastic they're a sponsor of the show now it's yeah. a nice uh, symbiotic arrangement okay yeah. um, and this is interesting the Swiss I have never seen anybody yeah. use this it's got to be a little bit of Swiss not a lot of it right no it's so it's like our whole blend is like 70% uh, mozzarella, like maybe 20% uh, Swiss, and then 10% Parmesan. Is the mozz part skim or whole milk? Part skim. Um, then we're going to pickles. Okay. Pickles, and this is. And how did this start? And this, how did this idea come about? Because it's sort of you've made your name on this in Chicago, certainly. Right. So I wanted classic pizzas. You know, I wanted anybody to be able to come and get a pepperoni or a cheese pizza. You know, I wanted them also to be unique in their own sense. But like, I wanted a pizza on the menu that you couldn't get anywhere else, and I didn't know what that would be. You know, I was playing around with so many different ideas. I was trying crab rangoon pizzas. I was trying, you know, just different things, and you know, none of them came together in one day. I was reading about a trend in New York City where all the chefs were making what they called pickle pizzas. It was almost like an unofficial competition. They were all doing them differently. And I was like, man, that sounds pretty Midwestern to me. And I had never heard of it. And this was, I mean, six years ago now. These are very thinly sliced. Are they homemade? Uh, yes, so I make them in-house and we do it really simply. We slice them very thin, but not too thin because if you slice them too thin, they fall apart. Uh, but as thin as you possibly can before that happens. And then we just classically pickle them. You know, garlic, black pepper, vinegar, salt, sugar, and that's it. So you're adding fresh dill now? Yep, fresh dill. Um, and we just do this right before it goes in the oven. Um, and why not a, not, not post-bake? Because isn't it going to burn a little bit? So I, well, I, went, I went both ways. I used to go after the bake, and then I found that it really didn't, it, it, for me, it didn't make a big difference. Matthew's done a nice job of even distribution of all the pickles uh, spread out. There's literally almost every 
inch of the real estate is covered here, and then um, just a smattering of fresh steel. Now into your Blodgett, it looks yeah, like? We use Blodgett 1060. It's like a tank. It's, you can't, you, it's so reliable. It's brick oven. It's awesome. You know, it's consistent with the temp. You get to know it. It bakes an awesome pizza. Temperature and how long? Uh, we bake it about 550, and these bake pretty fast. You know, I'll have it out of the oven. If it's uh, if we're not, like, slammed in the middle of a rush, I can get my pizzas out of the oven in 7 or 10 minutes. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have some pizza. Okay, pizza's out of the oven onto a screen on top of a tray. Yep, so we, we use the screen just, uh, you know, the semolina that's on the, the pizza peel to prevent it from sticking, so not too much of that gets in the bottom of the pizza box. We don't really worry about it too much because, uh, if anything, it adds a little bit to the pizza anyways, but... Post-bake activity? Uh, yeah, so we do a, a lot. We do six slices. You garnish every one of your slices? Yep, we garnish every one of our pizzas with sea salt, fresh herbs, and cracked pepper. That was very chefy of you. Yeah, so it's like, well, that's really the idea. It's kind of like, you know, pizza go into the pass at the end of the, the cooking process before it goes into the dining room, you know? What are these herbs, oregano? The whole idea was, you know, if you go to a classic neighborhood pizzeria, you get that shaker of oregano. So I wanted to do that, but do it a little, little different. So I chop fresh parsley to freshen it up, and then I mix it with dried oregano, dried basil, dried thyme. Was that sea salt? Was that Malden? Sea salt, yeah. No, it's uh, just a classic sea salt. Uh, actually finer than Malden because I don't want too crunchy or too salty. Um, and then the cracked pepper. Uh, we usually use uh, pepper grinders. Today I have it already pre-grinded um, and I'm just sprinkling it over the top. And that is it? Yep, that is it. Now it's interesting. Um, on the outside, Matthew, it looks a little bit underdone. There's some nice brown spots, but to me it looks a little blonde. That That's the color you want. Yeah, so the pickle pizza is, is lighter than some of them just because, uh, you know, with the garlic cream and the pickles and the mortadella, it uh, the bottom will get too dark before the top gets, you know, crispy. Different pizzas for all, like, it's every one of my pizzas cooks a little differently. Some of them get a little darker on the top. The pickle pizza's always been the lightest in color on the top. Uh, but the, if you look at the bottom, it's nice and, you know, golden. So it is golden. It. it does have a beautiful texture to it. Um, just, again... Uh, talking to a chef here, they have that beautiful rich creaminess at the base, the lovely mortadella, not too much, because you're only getting like a bite of it in each bite. Right. And then you have that pickle, that brininess, that crunchy, that contrast on top of it. When you first tasted this, you must have thought, oh, this is genius. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it, it was very surprising. It reads funny, but it tastes awesome. And you got the right, you got the appropriate base. I mean, it's a big 18-incher, and these slices are very generous. Um, but you can certainly fold these with three fingers. It holds the ingredients. It doesn't overwhelm it. You wouldn't want to put anything more than this on this pizza, right? Right. It's, less is more yeah. uh, with all with all my pizzas. Anything other other than this that's sort of in that wackadoodle category beyond the, the sausage and the pepperoni that you obviously do? Anything that really creative that you put on your menu that you like? I, so I, I have a lot of really creative, great pizzas. Not as not so much wacky, uh, but you know we have a beautiful pesto pizza that's got uh, prosciutto and it's topped with arugula and uh, stracciatella, which is like a soft Italian cheese that goes on after the oven. In addition to the pizza cheese, you know, our mushroom pizza is finished with white balsamic and brie, which is awesome. A margarita that's beautiful, but instead of using, instead of making that margarita with mozzarella, we also use stracciatella in another application. You know, we got a meatball pizza, which is kind of more a little Chicago touch. Anything with jardinera on it? 
Uh, no, but I, I have definitely been strongly considering uh, bringing Jardinera into Bob's Pizza because I just think that people love to add that to their pizzas and uh, it, it works well. It does. I know a guy, by the way. Yeah. Okay, last question we ask all of our guests. Uh, knowing what you know now about pizza making, what would you have told yourself, uh, I guess, a year before you opened up Bob's to be successful in, in pizza making? What I still believe, and you just got to focus on the details. You know, every... All the little things mean so much, you know, when it, when it comes to a restaurant, you know, like I, I think I touched on it earlier, not operating in cruise control. You know, you really have to keep an eye on the dough all the way from when it's getting mixed in the, the bowl to, to, to when it's getting served, you know, after you slice the pizza. All the little things on the way out, you know, you need to keep track of it all. Well, there's a reason there are four Bob's Pizzas right now. Hyde Park, Pilsen, Old Town, and Evanston. Interesting, two are in college campuses, right? Uh, Northwestern yeah. and Evanston and University of Chicago down there. And yeah, That was never really even a plan. It just kind of worked out that way. Uh, but kids like pizza, so. I like pizza, too. I like your pizza a lot. Uh, Matthew Wild, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, coming up in two weeks, as I alluded to earlier in the show, we are off to Canada, just an hour from the mountains in Calgary, where longtime business partners have expanded their already large footprint in town. The dough is like one of the most important parts of it, so let it shine. How do you, I, don't, I just don't want it to be the vessel that carries the meat, the sauce, the cheese. It should have a flavor, it should have an identity, and having that weedy undertone to it, that nuttiness like you talked about, I think that was when we went, aha. I'll talk with John Jackson and Connie D'Souza of Connie and John's Pizza. That's in two weeks on October 27th. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and rate us, please. Also, reminder to support the show at anchor.fm slash Pizza City. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.